Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We're in a series called Heart and Soul, and today's message is called Come and Drink. It's an invitation. And what I've hoped to do through this series, which I, re- I was looking back through my notes at one of the messages earlier, I was reading my script in one of them, and I said it's going to be a mini-series, and here we are going into week seven. Anyway, I define mini-series differently, I guess. So anyway, um, what I've hoped to do through this, is, and we're just scratching the surface on the idea of the heart, but I, I, I hope that the Holy Spirit uses this to stir up your faith, and, and, and especially faith in this thought that he really cares about our heart. God really cares about our heart. And he wants us, he wants us in, in, in the light of his grace and truth to take a really good look in, but more importantly, to take a really good look up. To really look up, look up to God. And there's been a thread of, of, of thought as I've gone through these other messages, and I've really felt a burden increase for those of you who you just feel weary, uh, times have been hard. A few weeks ago when I asked people to stand who said, Pastor Tim, I feel like I'm running for my life. We turned the, the lights up a little bit and I could look out over the room and a lot of people stood up. And I want you to know that I saw you. I, especially some of you, as you looked up, you wanted to match eye to eye with me And I think if I'm reading you right, you said with your eyes, I can't really talk about what's, what battle I'm facing, but I, I really am saying, I feel like I'm running for my life. Uh, Saw that, felt that. Um, I want you to know he knows. And his power toward us is endless. His eye is on you. And his eye is on us, and his eye is on me, and I'm so glad. And I have a good three-word invitation for all of us today. It's spoken in the Old Testament, it's spoken by Jesus, and in the last chapter of the Bible, you'll find these three words, come and drink. Three-word invitation in the prophets, in the Gospels, and in the last book of the Bible, God is saying he wants you and I to come and drink because when we come and drink, we can receive strength. We can find refreshing in our innermost being. Now, we're going to go back to this famous chart. Josh, thank you for hanging with me, brother. I will try to not push that button and jump all over the place. Make sure I'm looking at the right one. I want you to, I want you to see this chart here. Um, and I'm so thankful. We have a great tech team up there. They actually are able to put this on the live stream. So if you're watching, you're seeing this graphic as well. We didn't want to leave you out. Um, this is everybody in the world. Everybody who's ever lived in the world, all of us. We are all, we are all spirit beings spirit beings in a human body. That means that once your spirit 
becomes alive, once your spirit becomes alive, it never ceases to be alive. Even when your body ceases to exist. Your spirit, my spirit, and every person, every spirit that's ever existed will always exist somewhere. Just right there, think about that. That's what the scriptures say. And before Christ comes in, before we're born again, and we're going to look at that in a minute, before we're born again, the Bible says we are born in sin. Before Christ comes in, and before we're born again, we are born in sin. Now, we, we, we have our bodies, but we have a spirit and a soul which is our innermost being. And before we're born again, we're not alive to God. We are alive. We have bodies. Some of us are working on our bodies, trying to keep our bodies from, you know, uh, going too fast in the decaying process. And we're working, trying to go uphill in a downhill uh, existence. Um, but we're not alive to God. And we're not in the image of God. A lot of people say that, oh, we're all born in the image of God. No, we're not. Adam and Eve was made in the image of God. The rest of us are born in the image of Adam and Eve, not God. It's very important. That those little things are watershed. I'm in the image of God. Well, no, 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 no. We're in the image and likeness of Adam until we're born of God. And then to those who receive Christ, he gives the right to become children of God. Mm-hmm. So we're living in this body and we have an innermost being and it, it's not alive to God. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and our spirit, our inspirations, our, our aspirations, our dreams, our, 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 our heart pumping part. The Bible says we are dead in sin. Although we're living in a body, we're dead in sin. And uh, we all have an ego. Paul says, uh, I was crucified with Christ. The Greek word is ego. And when we think of ego, we think of arrogance. But ego just simply means I am aware that I am an I. And you're not me and I'm not you. You're an I, you're an I, I'm an I. Ego, Lego, my ego. Your ego, your, your, your I, me, and my, my I, me, and my. From the time I'm born... Kind of like a snowball going down a mountain. We all have different environments. Some of us have same kind of environments. Educational backgrounds. Uh, economic. All kind of diverse things. This is in our, all of our egos. Diverse. A, a very uniqueness about all of us. Similarities but uniqueness. We all have family background and dynamics. And all these things are consciously known and subconsciously known from the time we're just born. Some of us have religious backgrounds um, of all kinds, and some of us didn't have any religious backgrounds. And we have standards we hope to live by and standards we're raised with, whether in your family and your standards might be different than somebody else's family standards. And we have all these things, and then we all have abilities. We have quests, we have problems. We all seek in some way to avoid pain and pursue things that make us happy. 
That's not wrong. That's what we all do. We, we're human beings. That's what we do. That's what we do inside that body. But we don't have, if we're not born again, we don't have no light in here. That's what we were trying to get across. Tricked you. We, that was all planned. Uh, um, we have no light in here or in here. No light in the sense of light being God's, God's impressions on us. We uh, have aspirations, inspirations, mind, will, and emotion inside this, all of us. But we have no light. And with no light, we're trying to work through all of our standards, all of our family-ish backgrounds, all of our environments, all of the I, me, my, the should, should not, religious, non-religious, political, economic, all that. Every person alive, we're right there. And you have images of God taught you, taught me, all of that inside here. Every person. That's, that's who we all are. But the Bible says we have no light empowering our spirit and our heart is darkened in some degree. And it's darker than we know. And it's deceived in some degree and it's deceived more than we know. And God has placed, the Bible says, even before you know God, even if you've never read the Bible, God has placed in every one of us in here a conscience of some kind. Even atheists have a conscience even atheists who don't believe in God have some sort of ought and should they appeal to. Like they'll adamantly say, you shouldn't believe in God. Well, there's a law. Who made that law? If you go to a parking space and, and you're waiting to get in there and somebody comes along and they saw you with the blinker on for at least 30 seconds and then they just swoosh across, every person, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, atheist, you go, wait a second, that was mine. We all have that, right? Who taught us that? It's an inward thing. Very simplified what I'm saying, but it's true. Christian or not. And in today's world, when someone says, well, this is just who I am. This is just how I feel. This is my truth. What we are saying without knowing is, I know me better than what the word of God says about me. And I don't say that to put anybody down because even with my life and your life in the scriptures or whatever, as much as I want to say that Jesus and I, you can't hardly tell the difference, that's not anywhere close. I still think I know me better. My, my non following Jesus part of me because I have two eyes in me and so do you if you're born again I no longer live but Christ now lives in me and the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the son of God there's some there's somebody else that comes into here and here somebody makes this come alive But with that said, I still have the old ego in me. And so do you. So does everyone. So does every preacher. So does every priest. So does every nun. So does every Christian. 
My body is fearfully and wonderfully made. I know it's fearfully and wonderfully made. I look at it some nights and I go, ah! Ay-ay-ay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Heal. Come off. Meltdown. Jesus said to the people before he was on the cross, he said, he said, believe in the light so you can become children of light. And what he was saying was, when I go to the cross, when the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it, it will bring forth much fruit. And if you follow him, he's going to go to the throne of God and he's going to create a, a, a kingdom power in the world that by believing in it, you and I, who knew no sin, or you and I who, who are sinners, come into the relationship with the one who knew no sin and the righteousness of God is then, in the, is then imparted into here for free. Nothing in me here can work the righteousness of God. Nothing. Even if I know in my mind the, the perfect holy standards of God only, I can't create the perfect holy standards of God in this because it's dead. But when he comes in to here, he quickens this and he comes and lives here and then he begins to empower this and it works through the word of God out through this. He gives us a new nature. And it says in, in 2 Peter that he gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And Paul calls this a, a law of the spirit of life in Christ, which we get into positionally by faith. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ positionally, that's what has, is, is, is going on inside of us. And God wants us to experience what we already have positionally. But Galatians 5 says we're in a battle. Because the old ego, the old T, T McGee, old, the old T McGee, I have kicked him out of my car so many times, and he comes back. I don't like him. And sometimes I love him. And we're in a battle that my old T McGee has desires. And he adamantly says they're the right ones to have. <coughs> but the new I, the spirit of God in me, has desires as well. And I don't know about you, but in my life, whatever I feed leads. Whatever is dominant, the old T. McGee, or the new man, whatever is dominant is just simply proving that, 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 that that's where I'm drinking. That's, that's where I'm drinking. Now once upon a time in the real world, there was this woman, and she wasn't a follower of Jesus. She had been married five times. Think about that. You know, you get married and it doesn't work out. 
then you think, you find somebody else and you think, this one's gonna work out. And I'm, you know, a lot of people, 50% of the American people at least have done that. But imagine a few more times. And each time, I mean, you wouldn't get married if you didn't think, we can work it out, would you? I mean, you wouldn't go in thinking, hey, what are you doing? I'm joining a shipwreck. Come on, let's go party. No, 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 you left that, you're gonna, this one's it. And you've done that five times, and that didn't work, and now you're living with a guy. And you're living in a culture where that's not popular. Because it's not a big town, Sychar. It's not a big town in Samaria. So there's a few women there, and I mean, the, the cycle's gone around enough, you're not gonna be asked to the WM's breakfast. And you don't come in the morning before it gets too hot and sunny to get the water like all the other women do in the community. You come in the heat of the day because you know no one's gonna be there and you're tired of hearing about it. You're tired of feeling like everybody looks at you the way and you don't even like, you wish you could get away from yourself. And you're coming to a well and someone is waiting when you get there. And this someone is a man and he's... And you think, okay, I'm just gonna go through my thing. And he breaks through and says, give me a drink. And that takes her back. She goes, how can you, being a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? Let's go to the next slide. And, sh and Jesus says this, Lord, help us to hear this. Jesus says to her, now who is this her? And he says to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you, full stop. That's what his heart is saying to the whole world. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, if you just knew, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He, he didn't mention anything about her past, did he? He didn't mention anything about her husbands. Didn't mention anything about, look, if you would get your stuff together. You know, he just said, if you knew the gift. In other words, if you could really get it, if you were really woke to me, you're... Your innermost being, because you don't know this, but I made that innermost being to awaken to me. 
And so if you could see that, your heart would naturally say, please give me a drink. Because that is what God put in every person and they don't know it. But if you knew it, and who's talking to you, you would ask. And then she, she can't get it. She's not been through Holy Ghost school. She's just, and so she's trying to figure out what he's talking about. And, and then she just gets defensive and she says, are, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And he and his children drank of it himself. And Jesus says, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. In other words, this physicality desire you have that everybody in the world has for water and for food and for, and for you have inspirations and aspirations, all that. You listen, you, you, even if you find those things, even if you take that drink, even if you do that, you're going to get thirsty again because there's something on the inside of you that can only be quenched by someone. And then he says... But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And it, and it and I love this. It says, and it becomes a, I love this. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring. Where? Where? Say it. Where? Within them, giving them what? Eternal life. Now, we are conditioned to think, when we think eternal life, we think of somewhere, when we die, we go to a place. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Use the word Zoe. It means when you drink this, every time you drink this, inextinguishable, God-producing quality takes place inside you. Zoe is the word. It means right now, eternal life. Something that you can't get anywhere in a store, anywhere in any kind of religion, any kind of experience, any kind of relationship. It is outside of this world, but I'm bringing it right here. I am that sitting at this well with you. And if you drink what I give, eternal life will impact your within you. Would you go back, Josh, to that again? In your innermost being, I will put inside of your innermost being that kind of water. It'll take away your thirsts. In other words, it'll take away your desire to find what only I give somewhere else. Now, let's go to the next one, John 7. This is another time Jesus is talking. And it says, it's on the last day, the climax of the festival. Let me tell you what festival. It was the festival of tabernacles in the winter, or in the late fall, I'm sorry, in the late fall. And the priests would come in on the biggest day of the festival. It went seven days. And on the biggest day of the festival, the priests would come in with a pitcher of water because this festival was a, a time to remember how God faithfully provided for Israel for the 40 years they wandered in the desert. Do you know how he provided for them? Bread from heaven and water coming out of a rock all the way from 40, wherever they went, he just made water be there for them if there wasn't any. Supernaturally provided what they could not find, water. 
And on the great day of the feast, in, in memorial of the past, the priest would get up and pour water out of a, out of a, out of a, uh, a pitcher and say, someday when the Messiah comes and the kingdom comes, there will be water pouring out. And Jesus, when the priest is doing that, stands up in that moment and interrupts church. He stands up and he shouts. Imagine this. And he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And then he says, just like the Bible said. Think of that. We're all religious. We have Jesus. up. Back then, he was a 30-year-old carpenter guy. He is saying, everything this guy is saying, if you come to me, all that you're looking for in the millennial kingdom someday is right now in me. Come on, drink. And then he says, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his Hey, can we put that back up again, Josh? Anybody who comes to me out of this, I will put water in you and it will have such a dynamic influence that it will burst forth from here into here, out of here, to everybody out here. Amen. Do it again. Anyone who just believes in me, it's all. Because you can't Christianize your dead spirit. You can't Christian your old self. You can't reform your addictions and sin habits. Can't be reformed, never. There isn't a clinic, there isn't a place, there isn't a workshop, that can fix any of it or reform your sin nature. But you can drink yourself holy. You can drink yourself holy and whoever believes, I will put that kind of water, it will become a well and it will become so bubbly and so refreshing that it'll be like a river bursting up into your mind your will, I just can't stop myself. That's because you don't have this in you yet. I just can't help myself. That's because, well, I'm not asking you to help yourself. I let me, here, you want a drink? I'm not asking you to save yourself. I'm not asking you to overcome your addictions. I'm not asking you to conform to the standards of Christianity. I'm saying this to you. If you believe, I'll put, the, I'll put Christ in you. And he's better than Christianity. Jesus Christ is better than Christianity. If you have to choose one or the other, choose Jesus. Somebody should say amen to that. Christianity without the living water has no power to help you. A theology can't save you. But Christ can. He puts a well and we can drink from that well, and that well, the Spirit produces new desires in us. But here's, what I wanna, here's where I wanna go today. That was my intro. Here's where I wanna go today. He says, 
Jesus says, just like the scriptures say. Now in that day, they didn't have a New Testament. They only had a, a testament. The a testament, the only testament, was Genesis to Malachi. And Jesus said, in those scriptures, if you've read them, you know that God over and over and over again makes reference to this promise that there will be a day come. And if you really read where those promises are, when that day comes, there's always a connection to this one called the servant of the Lord, which is the Messiah. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm him. And in that day when he comes, which everybody always goes, I hope it's someday. And he's right here. He's right here. In the day he comes, everything the scriptures say about rivers and waters and quenching thirst will be yours. What do the scriptures say happens to a person that begins to drink the spirit of God? I'm glad you asked. Number one. When the living water comes into a person, it births singing in your innermost being. Isaiah 12. In that day, the prophet Isaiah is speaking of the day of the Lord. I don't have time to go into all that, but I could go for weeks on that. But this day of the Lord contains everything from the birth to the death to the resurrection to, to, the, to the, the building of God's people, to the coming of the Son of Man, all of that. But in that day, you will sing. And here's what you'll sing. I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Man, that's enough right there. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord, look at the perspective that changes when water is near. The Lord God is my strength and my song. Song. He has given me victory. Why is that? Look at the neck. With joy, with joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. The water has within it the quickening joy and song of the Lord. I had my granddaughter Juju for a couple days this past week. We did a thousand things, but we went up to the Constitution Park and uh, I wanted to show her the fountains in, in the baby pool. And, uh, and we, had our, we had our swimming stuff. And I got up there and I was like, Juju, look. And she's like, ah, ah. And you see that big mushroom, you know, I've shown you, I've preached about it. And the fountain's bursting up, and it's like everything there says, come on in. And it was closed. I know. That's what Juju said. I said, Juju, we're going to go, we're going to jump in those fountains, we're going to get in there, and Pacha's going to teach you this thing about the kingdom of God and all this stuff. And, and we get up there, and I said, Juju, it's locked. She went, ah. And man, it hit me. It hit me. God, don't let us ever lock this up. Don't let us ever shut this down. Let the fountains flow. Let the waters burst. And let the church sing. What happens when the water comes into the innermost being of my life? 
a song that I couldn't sing. One of the most frustrating things is when you're dry and you're going through a thing and everybody says, come on, sing, sing, sing. You're like, sing. And you try to work it up, you try to work up your worship. We don't have to work up anything. The water contains within itself the song of the Lord. With joy you'll draw out of the well of salvation. Something else it does, it quenches. My, my old nature desires things that I don't want anymore. And if I'm drinking the water of God, really drinking, my desires for holiness and worship and serving the Lord and loving other people and, and looking outside of myself, I mean, it's just natural to the point that I can think, I'm never going to sin again. Dang. But if we just begin to like not drink the living water, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're back? Where'd you come from? I thought you were dead. Get out of my car. Get out of my head. Get out of my house. Get out of my life, you freak. You know when people are joking around, they say, let's get our freak on. I want to say, you don't know the freak that I could be. Oh, no, no. Jesus, help me. You don't want that, you don't want that freak how many of you were not saved before you got saved? Anybody else but me? Yeah. So those things there, we can't, you can push them down, you can try to deny all that stuff. No, 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 no. Repress them, suppress them. Man, if you don't get the living water on that, you can, you can, hey, I remember the old scary movies. I'm just, I'm not even, I'm just flying blind today. I remember the old scary movies back in the day where the werewolf guy, and when he was normal or sort of, he'd be scared because he knew there was going to be a full moon. And he knew what happens to a full moon. And he didn't want that to happen. So he went and chained himself up in a, you know, but he still turned into a werewolf. Chained up. Chained up. I'm going to find a Bible-believing fundamentalist where we don't do anything. We don't do a thing. We don't even look at people. We just sit around. We just lie. Blah. Listen, you can hide in the darkest cave. But if you don't water that, that spirit, oh, where was the London, man? I mean, I'm not, hey, I'm making it funny, but it ain't funny. It's not funny to screw up your marriage. It's not funny to mess up your family. It's not funny to fall from a great height. It's not funny to shipwreck a church. It's not funny. I'm just trying to lighten it to get the point across. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. Self-denial doesn't work. Self-discipline doesn't work. It does not work. Only the water works. Here's what God says, though. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none. That's the world. That's my old freak, full sin nature that after 30 some years of walking with Jesus, we'll still wake up and go, let's be nuts. <laughs> huh? My old nature has more lives than a cat, man. 
And so does every other preacher you know. Every other buddy that's up there and whirls the healing wand around. All of them. Everybody. If you don't drink the living water, when the poor and needy search for water and there is none and their tongues are parched from thirst, I love this because God loves us. I, the Lord, will answer you. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon you. I, because you can't, I will open rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. Who is, so, who is passionately saying that? God. God. He wants us to be filled. And he wants us drinking. And he doesn't say you have to wait till you're 18 or 21. Come on, little kid. Drink of the living water. When Jesus pray, paid the price in blood, he ascended to the right hand of God. And when he is, listen, when he ascended, we're always waiting for something that's never, when he ascended, God released the river. Imagine this. Think of this imagery from the prophets. The Lord says, next verse, the Lord who made you and helps you. That's what, that's what a Christian, he makes you and he helps you. And here's what he says. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O dear Israel, my chosen one. For I will, I love the I wills of God. That's a series. Let's do it. I will, not you will, you can't. I will pour out water to quench your thirst. And I love this. And to irrigate your parched fields. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on this, but my friend Google said <laughs> that it has something to do with targeting parts of the field where you must channel water to, to make that area really fertile. And so what the Lord says, anybody have some areas? You've, you've buked the devil and rebuked the devil? And he still... He says, this is God, this is Jesus. I will quench your thirst and I will irrigate your parched fields. In other words, I, will, I know the areas of your life and I will channel my water to those areas of your soul that need refreshing, renewal, rebirth, recovery, rescue. And then he says, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. Come on. I, I want every one of the kids of LOH to be solid in their understanding of the truth of the word of God. But more than that, what could be more than that? I'll tell you what could be more than that. The fresh, ongoing, flowing encounters that God passionately promises for our kids and our grandkids and our descendants. 
to have an experience after experience in the waves and the streams and the rivers so that your doctrine doesn't just become dry. Where you know the author of the doctrine. They will thrive like watered grass. These are promises, by the way. In the blood of the Messiah, they will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. Look at this one, Isaiah 4. Is it all right to read Isaiah? What would you do? My pastor read the book of Isaiah to us. Here we go. Sing out this message. What message? Shout to the ends of the earth. Jesus already died on the cross and paid the full price for every person, every woman at the well, everyone caught in the act of adultery, every fisherman that can't catch any fish, Every, everybody that's in religion that wonders where the God of their religion is, everybody, shout this to the ends of the earth. The Lord has already redeemed his servants. And here's what he wants you to know. Here's how he wants us to experience life. When we cross the finish line, when we come in, he wants to say, they were not thirsty when I led them through their desert. I divided the rock for them and water gushed out. Gushed out. But then he says, look at the vision, but there's no peace for the wicked. You have to get in. You have to get in the ark. You have to be in the blood. You have to be in Christ. And if you are, here's what he says, verse 10. They will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore. For the Lord in his mercy will lead them, and I love this, he will lead them beside cool waters. It's a promise. Isaiah is the gospel. Every now and then someone says, what's your favorite gospel? I say, Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, it sounds like John 7, listen. Because the Messiah is preaching this 600 years before he's born in the spirit. And he says, is anyone thirsty? Come on. Is anyone thirsty? If you are, Come and drink. Anyone thirsty? Look what he says and what he doesn't say. He doesn't say make promises, make vows, try harder. He says, come and drink. Even if you have no money. Even if you can't afford it. Even if you've wasted your life. It's all been paid for. He's not making light of sin. He's shining light for the sinner. There's no other way for us. There's no other way back. If you're way out in the wilderness, the one thing you want to find to get back is go find the stream and follow that stream. It's going to lead you back. It's going to lead you back. So, Paul goes into this thing about the church in Corinth. You're saved, you have all the gifts of the Spirit released to you, but you guys are divided. I follow Paul, I follow Peter. I'm, I'm more spiritual, I don't follow man, I follow Christ. And you have sexual morality manifesting throughout the community, uh, going to court with each other, fighting over this and that and the other, all this kind of stuff, getting drunk at communion, seriously? Yeah, what a church, huh? People say, I want to go back to the New Testament church. I want to say, Corinth? 
manifestation power of the Holy Spirit in their church? And Paul says they're whacked out, they're wigged out, they're off track, they're carnal again. They're acting like they're not even saved. And then he points them back to this. It's very insightful. He says this, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Look at this though. Here, here, this is the difference. This is the difference for me and you. We get baptized into the spirit. We're born again. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. And he says, and, is that on the screen? Yeah. And we are made, not made like you must. You must drink the living water. Stick your head down there and drink. No, no, no. We were not that we're made like you, we, you have to. No. You are created to. You were made. You were made to drink the Spirit. You can be in the Spirit and not be drinking the Spirit. But we were born to drink. We were made to drink. This is how the nature of God changes our nature. We were made to drink of one spirit. That doesn't matter if you're a Baptist, Presbyterian. Doesn't matter if you're a Catholic or a Protestant. We were made to drink this water because it's only this water that can change our lives. So here's the invitation. Come and drink. That means, how do I drink? Well, first of all, I have to want to. I have to be thirsty. And if I'm thirsty, I come. I have to have an accurate view of God. Because if I think I have to get cleaned up to be holy enough to receive the spirit, to receive the water, I'll never get there. If I think God is judging me the way I judge me, or the way religion judges me, or the way certain views of Christianity judge me. If I've been raised to think I have to clean up instead of the blood of Jesus making me a resident where the Spirit of God is welcome. I have to have an accurate view of God. Here's God's view. Here's the real view that we should have of God. Anyone? That's God, that's God today. Anyone? You mean anyone, anyone? I mean anyone. Remember what Jesus said? Hey, if you see people laying in the bushes, tell them to come to the supper. Welcome them in. Anyone? That's, that's God. Anyone? Anyone? What? Come. Come. Not clean. Come. It's free. When you've fallen and you have a deep awareness of biblical knowledge and you respect the holiness of God, it's so easy to think, how can I come now? I know too much. How can I just, all, what, am I just going to say, oh, well, here's four years of really screwing up my life again, God. Oh, yeah, here I come. Dee, 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 dee. I'm just going to come in the river. Come on, Juju. Woo! That's not, is that, is that sacred? Is that honorable? What is honorable is do what your father says. What really brings honor to God 
is responding to who he is, not who you think he is. Because really what I'm doing when I'm doing that, I'm projecting me as God on myself. I'm projecting me on God. You know we're not supposed to make God into our own image? You know the only way we're going to be like him? The only way we're ever going to be like him is when we see him. Next week, I'm going to end this series on how seeing ourselves the way Jesus sees us makes all the difference. But we're not there yet. i got a couple minutes. i got a couple seconds. Anyway, yeah, stand. Stand up. I get a C- minus on my homiletical presentation of the gospel today, but maybe a better grade on the impartation. Last week, I want to pick up something here at the end. I really felt strongly, and people responded to this, even privately to me. There, some of us... You know, you know the verses about forgiveness. You know about the 70 times 7. You know that if we confess our sins and all that. But something, something emotionally just hasn't triggered. Something just hasn't let go. And you're carrying years of regret. Years of heaviness. And if you're not, listen, do you, if you're not, just thank the Lord that you're not. Because listen, man, when... Carrying years of, of sorrow over something that you've prayed a thousand times for God to forgive, which he did the first time, and you've still went 999 more times of asking, it's because of the imagery. And it comes, we can't even untangle it all because it comes from way through all kinds of dynamics in our life. And, and sadly, gosh, this, this is such, a, this is such a, a crazy thing, but it's true because I know it's true. I've, I've been a part of the, of the guilt of it. And I've been part of, the, of, of, of a victim of it. That in the Bible-believing culture, and of all places, some of the most bondage and legalism, we're supposed to live in the power, the freedom, and liberty of the jubilee of Jesus, and it's like, and it's not the way it is. And then if you really fall, then you just beat yourself, uh, and, we, and we'll and we'll and we'll and we'll critique uh, some of our Catholic friends for working and trying, and we're off doing it the same thing. We can't sacrifice enough. We'll give our blood. He's already given his blood, and I know that kind of life. I know what that's like, and you can hear this, and I just know this: that it takes the Holy Spirit. It, like Jesus said, if you knew. You stand right in front. If you knew who I am and what I want to do for you, you would. I remember standing across from that Constitution Park pool way back yonder, back in the day, struggling with some things, feeling bad about myself, beating myself up. I know better. How could I? There's ego right there. How could I have fallen in this? I. How bad that is? Oh, how could the second sinless son of God ever? But, right? 
And I'm sitting there and I see that fountain, that baby pool fountain. And the Lord says, if I told you that if you got in there, a transformation will begin on the inside of you without you doing anything, what would you do? And I remember saying it, if that fence was on fire, I would climb it. If there was razor wire, I would jump through it. He said, Tim, the fountain isn't over there. It's already on the inside of you. Let the water change your life. Quit trying to change your life. You can't change your life. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? How does somebody that struggled in their emotions, in their, in their being, in every emotion of the fiber, who knows in their, in their, who doesn't have the spirit of light in them, how do you tell a person like that, well, just quit, just walk away from your desire for same sex. Just, just repent. Thanks. Here's a pamphlet. Here's a book. Here's a video that somebody else did it. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God will graciously work in your life to change. I had a British professor who walked across the, the, the quad with me one day, and she's this tall, and she says to me, Oh, brother, she says, Cannot God make his desires your desires? You don't reform your sin nature. You don't reform yourself. The call of the gospel is not for you to Christianize your old nature. Impossible. You can't Christianize him or her. You replace him with somebody else. Look at this last picture, this last slide. This is what it's like right now. The angel showed me, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's my fault. The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the, what? Flowing. It's flowing right now. It's flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. And the Holy Spirit and the church say, clean, change. No. Come. And let anyone who hears this go out and say, come. And let anyone who is thirsty, come. And let anyone, all you need is this, desire. Let anyone who desires to be free, who desires to be cleansed, who desires to have their thirst quenched, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And he who is faithful, the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's be drinking the living water until the coming of Jesus. Right? Heavenly Father, I pray, we pray. Someone standing near you, friend, will never tell you this to your face. Because some that carry these things so long, it's hard. It, it's, 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 like, it's like dragging a beam through the wilderness. Only the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray like Elisha prayed for his servant Gehazi. Lord, open the eyes of my servant to see that heaven is for him. Jesus.
Open the eyes of my sister right now to see that heaven is for her. Jesus. Pour in fresh, Lord. Pour in fresh water. If you are staying away from God because of what the church, you perceive the church saying to you and seemingly arm wrestling you over your behaviors and over your relational and, your, and, your, and, and where you stand. Listen, I, I just would like to say this to you. I, I, can't, um, I don't know what it's like to, to go against the grain like, but I would just say this to you. Would you give Jesus the freedom to pour his kind of water in your soul? And just as that water level rises, just keep drinking. Don't sign somebody's card. Don't make any promises. Just keep drinking. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now that you want us to go beyond having the Spirit living in us, but you want us to drink your presence. Help us right now to have a, a drinking moment. Lord, I pray for those that feel like there couldn't be anybody more dry than they are in this room right now. They feel like their Christian life is a desert. I pray streams would start flowing to them right now. Streams of living water. For those who have had sorrow and heaviness, describe the day in, day out walk they have with you. May it begin to change right now where something that they can't even, even right now, can't even believe would happen. The joy of the Lord. I am speaking in the name of Jesus that this week, this week, the joy of the Lord will be released into your life. Not because of anything you did or do. I speak in the name of Jesus that this week, the joy of the Lord will be released into your life. I pray that people that have long carried shame and they've had 10 funerals mourning the loss of their childhood innocence with Christ. Lord, I pray you'd rain on them right now. Start a rain shower that turns into a downpour that becomes like a stream that becomes like a wave, that becomes like a river that just sweeps them off their feet and love and joy and peace begin to blossom up and bubble up in their life. Lord, I thank you for that. Teach us what it means to drink the Spirit. Teach us what it means to drink the Spirit. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.